0: And now, the quote of the day, by Indian professor of musicology, Hazrat Inyat Khan. Some people look for a beautiful place. Others make a place beautiful. Today, I compare traveling to interpreting. Traveling solo versus traveling in a tour group. Or interpreting solo, or interpreting with a team. What are the pros and cons? The positives, the negatives, the craziness, the responsibility. We've all experienced traveling these two ways in our profession and in life. Let's take a look and see how we might improve those. After all, learning from our experiences is what it's all about. Let's get started. I absolutely love interpreting. And I absolutely love traveling. Traveling is a wonderful adventure. It doesn't necessarily mean where we're going is the ultimate goal, but getting to that place helps enrich how we feel about the place when we arrive. The things we have to go through to get there, whether it's just walking down a path, going through the gate, and walking up to the ruins, of a castle in front of you, situated on a hill that overlooks a beautiful meadow with a small lake, clouds overhead, and a bunch of sheep grazing on the hillside. It makes the journey worthwhile to feel that breath coming out of you as you exhale in delight of being where you are. But traveling alone versus traveling with a tour group is quite different there are pros and cons to both. When I first started traveling alone, my first trip to Great Britain was alone for 18 days. I arrived in London, took a train to Bath, and my plan was to go to Bath, to the Cotswolds, to Liverpool, to Edinburgh, down to the north country of England, see Hadrian's Wall, a few villages in the north, down to York, and from York Back to London to finish the trip. I was on my own. I had made the plans myself, packed my own bags, decided which cities to visit, why to visit them. I had booked some of the bed and breakfasts, but not all. I decided I would do what came to me at the moment. Because I really don't know what's in each of those cities until I get there. Because when you arrive, you feel something different. You feel something about the environment that tells you what you want to do, where you want to go, and you never know until you get there. I tried many different restaurants, I tried new variety of snacks from the grocery stores, so many things that I could do in a relaxed, wonderful atmosphere of traveling alone. Because it's not necessarily the places that you go, but it's the journey to get to those places that makes it all worthwhile. When you finally get to that point where you walk down the trail, you open the gate, and you see in front of you the ruins of the castle, surrounded by beautiful plains, slowly rolling down to a lake, and you feel that breath exhale from you, that feeling of, I made it, I arrived here on my own, and you feel how your body relaxes. It's a good feeling. But traveling on your own has its pros and cons. And traveling in a tour group has its pros and cons, too. Being a solo traveler means you get to change plans whenever you want. It may cost you time or it may cost you money, but it's your decision. You have the flexibility to make split-second decisions that change your adventure completely. On one of my solo trips in Scotland, I was walking through the town trying to find the Deaf Club. And I did. I found it. But I was told it was closed, wouldn't open up until next week, and I was already going to be gone in a few days. So I thought, okay, fine. So I stood outside for a few minutes taking pictures, deciding what to do next. And while I was waiting on the street A few people started coming up to the door and they walked up the stairs and I thought, ah, this is my chance. Maybe they're going in. And they went up and stood in front of the door, just talking to each other like they were waiting for something. And then more started coming, forming a line in front of the door. So naturally, I had to ask, what are you waiting for? And they said, oh, we have a class for sign language tonight. And I thought, hmm, do you mind if I join? And they all kind of looked at each other like that was the weirdest thing they've ever heard. And they said, well, the teacher will be here in a moment. You can ask her. And I'm like, okay. So I did. And the teacher showed up. She unlocked the door. She looked at everyone and nodded and smiled and then saw me there, turned back to the door and opened it. And as we all filed in, she looked at me again, kind of puzzled, but she didn't indicate to me that I shouldn't be there, or who are you, or anything like that. She just looked, puzzled. So I just kept following the line of students (laughs) to the room. We went down a flight of stairs, and again, the teacher looked back at me. We finally all got into the room, and I stood at the door of the room. And as the other students were sitting down, I started signing to the teacher in my best BSL, indicated who I was and that I was just visiting and I was curious. And she said, no problem. Have a seat. So I stayed for the class, actually interacted with the students, practiced with them, and had the best time of my life. I was already an interpreter by then, an American Sign Language interpreter. But it was a joy learning the language together with them. And after the class, the teacher and I went out to a restaurant and sat and talked For a few hours, all about nothing and everything. Because I was solo traveling, I got to experience something I normally wouldn't have, especially if I was on a tour group. When I was in Bath, England, I met another solo traveler who was trying to locate a walking path along the canal outside of Bath. I was trying to do the same. So we noticed that we were both heading in the same direction. We both decided to join forces, find the canal and walk together. That was a wonderful time to share where each of us could take pictures for the other one, to record those moments of our trip and to talk about the adventures that we've both been on to get to where we were now. We had a wonderful lunch at the end of that journey and actually went on a tour together in Bath later that day. And in the evening, I had dinner with that person and two friends that she knew who were living in Bath at the time. New friends for a day. A great experience learning from each other. As a solo traveler, this is what could happen. In a tour group, that would not have happened. I would not have had the experience of being alone and yet sharing it with someone else who was also in the same journey as I was. I hope you're enjoying this travel through the profession. Go to the show notes and click on the links and share your experiences and this podcast with your fellow travelers in our profession. Thank you. Let's go back. Being on your own traveling means that you don't always have the answer. Those moments can be stressful and give you anxiety. And it's also sometimes a little bit lonely not to share the experience with someone else. Sometimes something is just so wonderful that you want to share it with someone. You want to explain that experience, that feeling, but you just can't. That's a positive and a negative in my mind. All of the responsibility is yours. The planning, getting out of problems, solving any barriers that come up, getting up and doing it yourself without any help or support. That can be lonely and difficult. Sometimes you just don't have the energy because you've been traveling so much by yourself. That's when you need to take the breaks. That's when you know you need to sit and relax. You gotta have the energy to do it solo. So, traveling in a tour group, how's that different? Well, first, the positive things about traveling in a team, in a tour, is that most of the hard planning is done for you. Your meals, your hotel, the sites that you're going to see, everything is planned out every hour of the day. And sometimes you might get a few hours of free time to allow everyone to go to the places they want. Sometimes you have to go to the stores or the glass blowing shop where you're asked to go through the shop and buy the things that might be good to take home as a souvenir. Yeah, things like that. So the positive things is that most of the planning is done for you. All you have to worry about is keeping your energy up and trying to enjoy the sights. The other positive thing is you're with others who also want to have this wonderful journey. So having other people there to have a conversation about what you experienced and having companions At the meals, someone else to talk to, to enjoy the meal with, to share the time together. That can be good, even with strangers. And you might even make some friends out of these tour groups, sometimes lifelong friends. Now the negatives is that everything is planned for you. Your hotels, your meals, the places you go. When you get to a new place, you might see other things that attract your attention and you think, I would love to see that museum or I would love to go up that hill or to that restaurant. That looks really interesting. Mm -hmm. But time is limited and you're with a group. So you have to follow according to what the guide offers. You also get to travel in a wonderful bus with a lot of other people. And you have to eat food with a bunch of other people, whether you want to or not. Traveling solo or traveling in a tour group has some similarities to the journeys that we take as interpreters, either working solo or working in a team. Working solo as an interpreter has been good. You do have all the responsibility, and that can weigh heavily on our shoulders. Making those ethical decisions or those practical decisions, or even just the interpretation itself, can sometimes be a burden. Because maybe we're just not sure. And that puts a lot of pressure on us. We can't turn to someone else to help or support us except the clients. And that sometimes feels a little too much. But the positive thing is we're the ones that can make those decisions. And it's also a negative thing that we are the ones who are making those decisions. We get to decide how the interpretation will flow. We will decide what ethical path we will take. And we learn from that. Working with a team means we have support, means we have someone to turn to if the decision is not crystal clear to us. Sometimes we just want that extra nod that says, yes, we're doing the right thing. Sometimes teaming can be negative. Once upon a time in my career, I was interpreting with a team that I had never interpreted with before, and it was in a group setting. A lot of us sitting around a table, and across the table at a diagonal was my team. Just the way the room was so small, we could not move in the room at all. And at one point, I was interpreting into sign language, and I needed support. And I looked to my team for reinforcement, and that's when my jaw dropped. My team was not working. And what do I mean by that? Well, normally when I'm working in a team, we're working together. My team is usually monitoring my work to know when to give me a sign or to take over if something goes wrong and vice versa. However, when I turned to look at my team, I picked up my jaw from the floor and quickly continued working from what I could do on my own as though I was working as a solo interpreter because my team was knitting. That's right. She had two long needles and a ball of yarn and was knitting what looked like a sleeve to a sweater. In fact, she continued to do so until it was her time to switch with me. And I knew it was her time to switch when I heard the needles clack together and I noticed she was putting her yarn and needles back into her big bag, putting it on the ground and looking at me, notifying me that it was her time to take over it gets better. When it was my turn to switch with her, I knew when that time was by the fact that she just put her hands down and reached for her bag. And I immediately realized I was supposed to take over. And I did. And again, there was a point when I needed a little feedback. So I looked to my team again, anticipating the needles. But this time I saw a small crossword puzzle book and a tiny little pencil which was scratching along on the page. I realized I was working solo again. That wonderful team interaction, or should I say non-team interaction, reminded me that we don't all work the same way. It also reminded me that I should probably speak to my team before we start (laughs) and figure out how it's going to work. That's advice I have taken with me ever since. However, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how we should work as a team. Let's talk about things you might have experienced yourself. Have you ever been working and your team jumps in before you can start? They interrupt you and interpret into the spoken language before you can even start your sentence. That's usually because they don't know that your lag time, that your processing time is that long. Many of us have long processing times because we give ourselves enough time to reorder, restructure the concept into the language that we're using. Or we have another reason for waiting. But sometimes the team we have is impatient and wants to start right away. Or they don't help at all and just let you hang when you actually do need the support. Sometimes our teams decide they need to teach us. Sometimes they say, you know, that's not really the sign that you use for that. Or they might say, the standard way of doing this is this, 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 not the way you're doing it. It's wonderful to hear that condescending voice. I hope that encourages you not to do some of those things. Some of the positive things, sometimes you get that feeling and automatically Your team knows exactly when to give you the word or exactly when to give you the sign right when you need it. Usually that happens because you've talked about it beforehand and you've said, you know what, there's going to be a lot of numbers because this is all about finances. If I hesitate or if I look to you, tell me the number that should be coming. It's just a reinforcement for both of you to look for those to be accurate in that regard. It's also nice when I have a team who cheers you on. They said, that was a beautiful interpretation of that concept. What have you are. I like that sign you use for this. That was beautifully done. It's nice when your team suggests something rather than correcting you. Treating each other as equals with respect, with that as the foundation for teaming, that will help with all of these negatives and with the positives. The experiences I've had with good teams far outweigh the negative experiences that I've had. Perhaps I'm lucky, but when you have that great team where you just know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, it's amazing. And it's also great when you have someone who has a sense of humor, when you make a mistake and everybody just laughs it off, when you just have that connection with your team. It feels like you're working as one in a beautiful synchronicity. It's great. Interpreting like travel is different every time you do it. Even if you travel to the same location, that environment has changed. Those people have changed. The moods of the people have changed. The weather may be different. There may be a new shop. There may be new limitations on where you can go, and that relates to interpreting. The schema may be the same. The setting, the context is different every time. So we need to rely on our flexibility, our skills, and how to interact with our team and the clients. The most important thing is the journey, learning from each other, finding those moments when you can exhale and see that beautiful moment when everything is just perfect it's worth the trip i wish you good travels in our profession good companions good strangers and wonderful moments to breathe so keep calm keep traveling the interpreting profession i'll see you next week take care now